A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Story time. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is a true story I long awaited to share with your community. So last month I had another encounter with Bigfoot. I was out elk hunting near the Oregon coast, exploring the mountains behind Cannon Beach. I had reached the area near Grassy Lake, accessed by Buchanan Creek Road, just past the fish hatchery. 
As luck would have it, I had spotted a herd of 25 elk emerging from a thicket and managed to shoot a bull. After gutting and quartering the elk, I decided to do some further exploration in the vicinity with my 1989 Ford Escort. Having some time to spare, I grabbed my fishing pole and began ascending towards Grassy Lake. However, before I could get too far away from my car, I heard a strange sound coming from about 250 to 300 yards away. Curiosity peaked, I noticed a distinct hump amidst a grove of young Christmas trees, about eight half feet tall. Intrigued, I returned to my car to retrieve my rifle and peered at the hump through my 35 power scope. To my surprise, I observed a hand rising up, pushing one of the trees down. At that moment, I thought I was merely witnessing the rear end of a bear. I continued observing for about an hour and a half, convinced that the bear was unaware of my presence. As a light rain mixed with snow began to fall, I grew somewhat bored and decided to honk the horn of my car. Instantly, the creature's head shot up, towering a foot and a half above the trees. It was then that I realized I was looking at another one of those things. After scanning its surroundings, the head returned to its previous activities, completely disregarding my presence. Another half an hour went by, and the creature remained motionless. I decided to walk up the road behind the Bigfoot on a cliff to get a closer look at what it was doing. The creature was chattering, emitting deep, hollow noises resembling pig grunts. Even from a distance of 150 to 200 yards, I could see its hands engaged in some sort of activity. I noticed another white truck passing along the road, engaging in what appeared to be road hunting. Sensing the approaching vehicle, the Bigfoot lowered itself to the ground until the truck had passed, and then it rose back up. Frustrated by the interruption, I fired a rifle bullet into the air. Startled, the creature's head snapped back up, its gaze frantically searching the surroundings. It locked eyes with me, seemingly unbothered by my presence, as if it couldn't care less who saw it. The creature continued flipping its arm upwards, chattering and stomping its foot, as if urging me to leave. To further deter it, I fired a second round. It shot me a disdainful look before finally departing, sprinting towards a nearby hillside ridge with astonishing speed. It effortlessly traversed the mildly rough terrain in a mere minute and a half before disappearing into the steep Oliver Canyon. The ravine, with its 200-foot depth, provided me with a glimpse of the creature as it moved further into the distant forest, eventually vanishing from sight. Intrigued, I descended to investigate what the Bigfoot had been doing. To my astonishment, I discovered a dead coyote caught in an animal trap. The coyote's neck was broken, with a pool of blood and scattered coyote hair surrounding it. The creature had devoured the entrails and rear half of the animal, leaving only the head and front legs behind. Perhaps, if I hadn't scared it away, it would have finished its meal. Coyote hind legs are said to be particularly tender, while the front legs are more muscular. As darkness settled in, I made my way back, planning to return the next day. When I returned to the site the following day, I discovered 24-inch-long footprints left behind by the towering 10-foot-tall Bigfoot. Additionally, I found 10 strands of 5-inch-long hairs clinging to a tree branch. As I reached the base of the 200-foot ravine where the Bigfoot had made its impressive jump, 
I encountered two deep footprints embedded in the soil. Intrigued, I decided to follow the creature's trail back into the hills. The path exuded a sweet, putrid stench, reminiscent of something deceased. Eventually, I stumbled upon a cave, fairly spacious inside, with a pool of water sourced from a nearby spring. It appeared as though something had slept there, though I couldn't rule out the possibility of it being a bear's den. This story takes place in August of 2013, in the mountains of Southern Oregon. I am a USAF security forces airman, military policeman. My girlfriend was at work, and as a swelteringly hot day began to turn into thunderstorms, my buddy Nick, another military cop, and I decided to go explore some back roads and get out of the heat in town. Southern Oregon is crisscrossed with logging roads, some actively used, and many totally forgotten and grown over. Nick and I spent many of our days off starting on roads that we knew, finding roads we didn't know, driving for hours into the mountains, eventually navigating back to paved roads. On this particular day, with storm clouds building over the mountains, we set off on a road we had never been on, and began the drive into the mountains. After driving for around an hour, we hadn't seen nor heard any signs of other people in the woods. We rounded a bend in the thick fir woods, and emerged in a meadow that was totally surrounded by thick aspen groves. The meadow was perfectly flat, and eerily still. We both noticed the strange stillness almost immediately, no birds, hardly any insect noise, no squirrels, and certainly no other people. On the far side of the meadow, right at the edge of the tree line, there was a picnic table. The table was very odd, however. It was painted a bright orange, and was much larger than a typical picnic table in a park. Remarking on this, Nick drove through the meadow to get a closer look. I remember being apprehensive as we approached. The whole scenario was exceptionally strange, the overall silence of the aspen grove was unsettling. Also, it was nearly impossible to see far into the trees as aspens grow extremely close together. When we parked by the table, I hopped out of the passenger seat of the truck to check it out. I'm not very tall, only about 5 feet 5, regardless, the table was ridiculously oversized and practically unusable. The seats were nearly at chest level, meaning I would have to climb up to even sit on them. As I was looking at the table, Nick called me over to the truck, and I noticed he was looking back into the aspens. At first, I couldn't see what he was looking at, but then I noticed a splash of color that was completely out of place in the thick trees. A small one-man tent was set back in the trees, about 50 feet from the strange table. I had an initial feeling of dread, and felt certain that there was someone in the tent, and if we could see the tent, they could see us. There were no campgrounds in this area no people, no main roads for miles. Surely someone camping so remotely would be, at the very least, a strange person. However, as we observed the tent, we didn't see any movement or hear any sounds coming from it. Nick suggested I call out, I didn't want to, but I did. Hey! Anyone in there? I yelled. No reply. Feeling completely on edge. Nick and I thought about driving away and leaving this strange area. But we began to fear the worst, what if there was a body in the tent? 
What if somebody had gotten kidnapped? Foolish, I know, but we thought it, all the same. After some debate, we decided to have Nick turn the truck around to drive away from the camp, should we need to leave in a hurry, he would be waiting behind the wheel. With my heart pounding, I started walking through the trees towards the tent. I was totally keyed up with my senses on full alert. When I reached the campsite, several things struck me as odd. Backpacks were scattered all over. No fire had been built, no wood collected. The tent. The tent was literally full of backpacks, and women's clothing. Full of dread, I turned to leave and tell Nick what I had seen. As I left, I heard Nick start yelling. Let's go. Let's get the F out of here. Not knowing why he was yelling, I ran back to the truck. When I broke out of the trees, I saw a beat-up old Ford Taurus on the road, blocking us from leaving the meadow. I immediately leapt into the passenger seat, and Nick floored the gas pedal. The car was occupied by two men, a third person was laying against the window in the back. As we drove across the meadow, the driver attempted to block us from the road, but Nick drove around them and accelerated the way we had come from. I looked back and saw the car attempting to turn around on the narrow road. Nick drove like a madman, and though I was honestly terrified that they would catch up, we hit the, the highway without seeing the car again. I still do not know if the person in the back was male or female. I called the state police, and they promised to send a trooper out to check out the scene. However, I received a call the next day from a trooper stating that the campsite, the backpacks, and the women's clothing was all gone, though he could tell people had been in the area. The strange table was still by the thick aspen grove. I have not returned to the area, and do not intend to. I was at a summer camp that separated boys from the girls. We would normally sleep in separate cabins, however this being a nice night, our counselors decided it would be nice to camp outside. Being overly tested at our own high schoolers given new freedom of the outdoors, we decided to separate from our supervision and be lined for the girls' campsite. Upon successfully reaching their site and being dumbfounded at what to do, we decided that throwing miscellaneous items into the fire, creating subsequent explosions would be a good icebreaker. Unfortunately due to our brilliance we were quickly brought back to our camp and separated from the girls. Not being discouraged we decided to regroup and try again. As we began to leave for their sight again we heard an extremely loud bang, as if from a high caliber rifle. The sound was followed by another bang. Followed by silence. We all became paralyzed unsure what to do. Was it from the girls' sight? We were too afraid to find out. We could see a flash light in the distance mulling around the area. I only remember lying quietly, barely able to sleep, joking with fellow campers who would get shot first if that bang was indeed from a gun. The next morning we woke up, alive and very confused to what had happened. I actually only found out what had happened when I got home from camp. A man had shot his ex at a house right by the campsite we were staying that night. What stood out to me the most, other than aforementioned, was an interview with a neighbor who didn't call the police right away, because she figured the sound was from some stupid kids blowing up things at a campsite.
I led a small expedition of 12 Marines, tasked with recovering a downed aircraft rumored to have encountered a massive, unknown sea creature. It was a mission shrouded in mystery, and our team was a mix of experienced soldiers and unique individuals. One such individual was Jack, a fellow Marine who, in his free time, embraced his love for gambling and dabbled in the world of acting. We descended into the depths, our hearts pounding with anticipation. The murky water swallowed us whole, enveloping us in a realm where light struggled to penetrate. We maneuvered cautiously, scanning the underwater landscape, until our eyes widened in disbelief. There it was, a sunken aircraft resting on the ocean floor. As we swam closer to investigate, the sense of danger grew palpable. Suddenly, without warning, a colossal aquatic predator materialized before us. Its sheer size defied all logic, dwarfing even the wreckage of the downed aircraft. The beast's enormous jaws gaped wide, revealing rows of razor-sharp teeth that gleamed menacingly in the dim light. Panic and chaos ensued as the creature lunged towards us, its fury unleashed. The water churned with violence as we fought desperately to survive. Harpoons were thrown with precision, aiming for vulnerable spots, while gunfire echoed through the depths. Jack, with his quick thinking, managed to shoot the creature directly in its eyes, momentarily stunning it. Exploiting the creature's temporary vulnerability, we launched our final assault. Grenades were hurled with deadly accuracy, finding their mark in the creature's gaping maw. The water erupted in a cataclysmic explosion as the beast thrashed in its death throes. It was a battle of survival, a fight against an ancient leviathan that threatened to unleash chaos upon the world. But victory came at a devastating cost. Ten of my comrades, brave marines who had faced the unimaginable with unwavering resolve, met their untimely end in the jaws of the creature. Only Jack and I emerged from the depths, battered but alive. As we floated in the water, a mixture of relief and sorrow washed over us. The beast that had haunted us had been vanquished, but the sacrifice of our fallen comrades would forever weigh heavy on our hearts. We resurfaced, the sun welcoming us back into its warm embrace. The ocean, once a serene backdrop, now held the memories of a battle fought and lives lost. With the mission complete, we returned to our base, determined to honor the fallen. Not my story but a colleague's of mine. My colleague was responding to a call to check up on a camper. When he had pulled up, he noticed all the lights were out, which was strange considering the call was only made a few moments prior. When this ranger approached the tent, there was nothing, not a sound. It was as if everybody in the campsite had completely disappeared, leaving only him by himself. He was puzzled and not sure why somebody would make the call of this campsite and then be completely deserted. Then he described what he could hear as a weird growling noise with kind of a chewing sound. He shines his light over in the direction of this noise and sees this tiny three-foot-tall furry humanoid thing standing there that reminded him of a chimpanzee. He was completely startled and nearly falling backwards on his behind. This thing also had a very surprised expression on its face. Not really sure what to do, it quickly ran off, scurrying between the branches and the trees and going at about 30 miles an hour. 
My colleague claims that it looked partly human, a brow ridge and a nose very much like a human does, but the rest of the face was almost covered in hair and reminded him very much of an ape. Besides the nose and the brow ridge, the eyes were also all black too, and it did not appear to be violent or aggressive in any way. As it turns out, the campers at this campsite were being harassed by this tiny little humanoid ape thing, which is the reason why they left soon after they made the call. Apparently, this thing was trying to get into one of their tents in which they were scared and got in their car and deserted their camp. After speaking to a few friends of mine who are heavily into cryptozoology, they all believe that a juvenile Sasquatch was responsible. The incident I'm about to share took place in the bordering area of Guyana and Venezuela. It was an encounter that left the dog owner shaken and described it as both bizarre and distressing. In an interview with the local media, Mr. Amsterdam recounted the events that unfolded on that evening. He had been taking a leisurely walk with his faithful canine companion when, suddenly, a colossal black creature emerged, seemingly intent on attacking him. He referred to it as a big black monster, its presence evoking fear and trepidation. However, his dog, in an act of unwavering loyalty and bravery, leapt into action, putting its life on the line to protect its owner. The description Mr. Amsterdam provided of the creature was chilling. He likened it to something out of a nightmare, referring to it as monster-like and diabolical. The creature ruthlessly constricted the dog's neck, snuffing the life out of it with a savage onslaught. After the heinous act, the creature swiftly departed the scene, leaving Mr. Amsterdam in shock and grief. Grateful for his own survival, he expressed gratitude to God and his fallen companion for saving his life. The loss of his beloved pet had left an indelible mark on his heart, as his faithful companion had accompanied him everywhere. As news of the incident spread like wildfire on social media, others came forward, sharing their own strange experiences in the same vicinity. Gavin Liverpool, a user on social media, recounted an incident from the early 2000s when a similar creature attacked a dog near the Mercuria police outpost. The creature had vanished into the darkness, leaving the dog to suffer until its demise. Speculations ran rampant among the residents, with some suggesting that the creature could be a werewolf or an evil spirit that only prowls the night. However, there were also those who criticized the dog owner, asserting that he should have been more cautious in protecting his pet. A user named Sheikh Ibrahim expressed deep sympathy for the dog's tragic fate but also emphasized the importance of human responsibility in such situations. Some residents argued that if the creature had been a black panther, it would have carried its meal into the night instead of simply abandoning it. The incident left the community bewildered and on edge, grappling with the mystery of the creature's identity and intentions. It served as a chilling reminder of the unseen forces that coexist alongside us, lurking in the shadows of the night. As the debates and speculations continued, the people of the bordering region remained cautious, wary of the unknown and the secrets it held. I was a young highway patrol officer patrolling the highways of Maryland. It must have been around 2 or 3 in the morning. I was driving on Interstate 95, 
Closing up towards Baltimore. The speed limit in that section of the highway is 65 miles an hour. I would always patrol between the two left lanes so people could see my lights and not get too comfortable driving 20 over the speed limit. As I came up to where 695 splits off from 95 northbound heading towards Fullerton, there was this dark figure standing in the right lane ahead of me. It looked like a person, but it did not move at all, just stood there next to the barrier wall separating the right lane from the exit ramp for Fullington Avenue North coming out of Philly. So naturally, I sped up slowly to catch up with this person, thinking they must be injured or something. As I get closer, still maintaining the speed limit or just under, this thing turns its head to look at me, and I notice it has two glowing red eyes in the center of its face. It was very intense and terrifying, but what struck me most was its teeth. This thing had fangs like a wolf or bear, very sharp edges protruding out of its mouth. Its whole demeanor was extremely menacing. It did not look human at all, but when it turned around and stared right at me, I slammed on my brakes in sheer terror. I managed to get myself together after a couple of seconds, speeding away, hoping not to lose control of my car and wreck. Ironically, I heard radio communications from another officer about 10 minutes later that a driver up the road had witnessed an upright decaying animal running across the road. It was as if it had been hit by a car and left a trail of blood on the pavement for about 50 yards before completely disappearing from sight, crossing into another street. I'm not sure what this thing is, but I've never seen anything like it. Some friends and I would take my truck up in the mountains during the winter time and tow someone on a tube across the snow. We'd drop the tailgate in my old long bed Ford and a few guys would sit in the back with one of those bazillion candlelight spotlights. When I was driving it'd be fun to make really wide turns in the dark so the person on the tube didn't have the luxury of headlights or taillights to somewhat illuminate their trail. The person in the bed of the truck with the spotlight would be funny and shine the light clear off to the side so it was pitch black if you were on the tube. One particular winter night a snowstorm was rolling in so we headed up to the usual spot and it was dark that night. A friend was on the tube, I was driving watching my mirrors as I'd swing him wide enough he had little light to see anything. The guy with the spotlight shined the light clear to the side of the truck and as I checked my mirror and I made eye contact with a guy dressed in jeans, a red plaid shirt, and a blaze orange ball cap. As we made eye contact I lost all control of my body for probably only 5 seconds, but it felt like an eternity. I stopped the truck and turned it around and asked the guys if they saw him. They all said no, so I flipped the truck around and turned on the high beams and they shined the spotlight all over. I got out and looked for footprints in the fresh snow and saw nothing. That night we went back home and I told my dad about the weird experience and he didn't think anything of it. A week later on the news the police reported finding a body in the area close to where we were and asked for any tips. My old man convinced me to call the police and tell them we were up in the area and saw that guy. I called and the police said they'd send an investigator over. He came over to the house, I recalled the same experience saying it happened seven days earlier. As soon as I said that, the investigator asked me you are sure on your date? Which I was positive, 
and he showed me a picture of the body they found wearing the same red plaid shirt and blaze orange ball cap. He informed me the body had been on the mountain for at least one month so I must have just seen something. Turns out it was a man who suffered from some mental handicaps and committed S on the mountain, one month prior to when I saw him. Under the chilling midnight sky, my friend Dell and I drove along a desolate road, enveloped in an eerie silence. Unbeknownst to us, a life-altering encounter awaited. As our eyes scanned the darkness, a graceful four-point deer emerged, captivating our attention with its beauty. Little did we know, this sighting was merely a prelude to something far more extraordinary. On the left, the deer vanished into the shadows, diverting our gaze to the right. Dim moonlight revealed a figure that sent shivers down our spines, a towering bipedal dogman. Its immense size filled us with a primal fear that transcended the limits of our understanding. Traversing the road, the creature's passage stirred the thick line of trees, setting them in motion. We stood transfixed, unable to avert our eyes from this mysterious being that defied explanation. It possessed an allure that was both enchanting and terrifying, hinting at an existence beyond our grasp. In that fleeting moment, a sense of otherworldliness saturated the air. The dogman's powerful stride seemed to bridge the gap between our reality and the unknown. Its presence invoked a mixture of awe and fear, captivating our senses with its enigmatic nature. Despite our yearning for clarity, the darkness concealed the creature's details. Yet, even in the absence of certainty, we recognized that we had borne witness to something extraordinary, a being that transcended the boundaries of our everyday existence. As the dogman dissolved into the night, our minds teemed with unanswered questions. Who was it? Where did it come from? This encounter ignited a fervent curiosity within us, driving us to explore the hidden enigmas lurking in the shadows. Since that bewitching moment, the memory of our encounter has etched itself permanently in our minds. The indelible mark left by the bipedal dogman serves as a reminder that our world is brimming with mysteries, beyond the limits of our perception, awaiting discovery. I was on our property in the Mount Hood National Forest in Western Oregon. I was making a new access road for equipment to get through and had been cutting with my chainsaw for some time when I decided to take a break. I pulled my earplugs out which I normally leave in my ears. I sat there inspecting my work. Suddenly, something started crunching through the thick brush from down over the hillside and my direction straight at me. At first, I thought it was an elk but the equipment noise should have kept the area clear of most animals and I could tell it was cumbersome and lumbered along on two feet. I started straining my eyes to see what was coming through the thicket as it approached and got closer with every step. Finally, by the sound, I knew I should be seeing it because it wasn't more than 50 feet in the brush but I couldn't make out any dark forms at all. It was November and all the leaves were gone off the trees and plants so I had visibility of 200 feet. Suddenly, it came to a stop. It all went silent, extremely silent. There were no typical forest noises of any kind. I could feel that I was being watched but why couldn't I see it? Anyway, I got tired of whatever it was playing games. I put my earplugs back in, 
fired up my saw, and went back to work, keeping my eyes down low just in case it let itself be seen. I knew it was watching me but I wasn't going to give it the satisfaction of freaking me out. I'd trust the Lord to keep me safe and that thing knew it. I didn't have anything else happen that day. But when I returned the next morning something had taken all the brush I had stacked in piles along the new road and scattered it back in my way. Again, upon noticing this, I was peering through the woods around me with my senses on edge. When my two dogs came out to visit me, they quietly walked up behind me and stepped on some branches breaking them. I about jumped into the next county. I went back to work restacking the brush and nothing more happened. About six months later, though, I was in an area not far from there where I had been cutting all day, trying to get a section out of an old growth fir log for carving. It was getting close to dusk and I had my old Chevy pickup parked not far from me, about 40 feet away. I was preoccupied with what I was doing at the moment. But as I let my saw start a new cut down through the five-foot log I glanced over at my truck and there standing alongside it, between me and the car, was a massive being, all black or dark brown and staring at me. I cursed under my breath because I really wasn't looking for a visit now. My truck is hot blue so this thing stood out really well against it. That rig is on 35-inch tires, a 6-inch lift with the top of the cab being about 7 feet tall and this thing's head was quickly a foot taller than the truck. I didn't stare at it or want to make a lot of eye contact with it, but I noticed it was about 4 feet wide at the shoulders and its arms hung down to its knees. It was very hairy and very solid. I'm no judge, but I'm assuming it had to have been at least 600 pounds if not more. The second I saw this thing standing there a cold shiver ran down me but I didn't want it to think I saw it so I turned back to focus on my cutting. I didn't want to look back or head over to see if it was still there. It was now it was about 10 feet closer to me and standing more to my left near the hood of my truck. I could feel my heart pounding and I was getting a cold sweat too, but I went back to focusing on my work. I didn't look back for several minutes knowing that things could show up next to me or behind me without warning. I find the best thing to do is focus on what I'm doing and not look around and don't get let my imagination run away with me. It's easy to do out there in the dark with those Bigfoot being curious and coming around. I looked back up after 5 minutes and it was gone, thank God. But I'm sure it was standing in the dark there somewhere and I wasn't about to look around for it. I finished my work there packed my tools and headed to the house without anything more occurring. The next day I went back, but after that, I tried to get back before dusk. I had previously thought that they were kind of shy but not after what I've seen. They're curious and will show up even if equipment or machinery is running. One summer, several years ago, I was spending an evening with a friend over in Washington at a rock pit we used to camp at quite a bit. Over a decade ago she had her own encounters with the Bigfoot in which one walked up to her and her brother in the forest on Mount Hood. They were armed with AR-15s but were both frozen in fear. It got within 5 feet of them and just locked eyes with her. It was a 9 to 10 foot male and watched her intently for about a minute before turning its head and disappearing into the trees. They literally looked and looked for it, but it had vanished. This encounter happened in broad daylight. Anyway, they are amazing creatures.
So this happened three years ago when I was living with my parents in Mititsi, Wyoming. Super small and secluded. It was Halloween and my parents decorated the house and we expected about 3-4 kids to show up as the house is about a mile from a subdivision and parents usually drive their kids. At 8 I took in the chair with candy because I figured no one else would be coming around. I'm in the basement where there are no windows and very little sound can get out and it's about 11. All the lights upstairs are shut off because I'm going to bed. I hear a knock at the side door which no one ever knocks at. I go upstairs and the flood light which usually turns on automatically wasn't on. So I flipped on the other light that lights up the basketball hoop area. There's a person in one of those old man masks that have the crazy hair just standing there. He is just looking at the house. He sprints to the back where the patio is. I hear loud banging on the back windows. Honestly the loudest kicking I've ever heard. I rush over and the person is just staring. Then he runs away and I do tea hear anything for 5 minutes or so. Then I start hearing the knob to the main door being forcefully jiggled back and forth. I ran- Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. And upstairs to the bedroom and went to the crawl space in the attic. I immediately dialed 911. This was the first time I ever dialed 911 so I don't know what I was expecting but the operator didn't seem to be very shocked or wanting to send out a car very quickly. I remember repeating my address like 12 times and the lady kept saying calm down sir. She wants me to stay on the line but I'm afraid if the guy got and he would know where I was because of my voice. I hang up and I can hear the knob being slammed like he had a hammer or something. I'm having a full-on panic attack and I'm wheezing trying to get air. Then I hear the side door, original door, being kicked super hard. At this point I'm shaking so bad the dust from the floorboards is flying up in the air. I hear a window smash and I immediately know he's going to get in. I hold my breath which makes the wheezing worse. I'm going to die. I'm listening to hear footsteps or anything. Nothing. The actual amount of time I spent up there was around 16 minutes. I swear it was an hour. An officer showed up and pounded on the door. I ran downstairs and flipped open the door. I told him everything as well as the backup sheriffs that got there. They all kept saying a friend was probably just trying to scare me. I had no friends in Wyoming. None. They looked around the house and wrote down some shit but nothing really happened. They left and I drove behind them to Cody, Wyoming and got a hotel room. 
I still can't sleep without all the lights on and a point forty-five on my dresser. It was November 2012 when I was working at a small gas station in northeast Louisiana. We were the only small shop and 24-hour service station in miles, just off the highway. I worked the night shift. I loved it, the sharing of stories with the traveling customers, that is when the rare customer showed up. It must have been around 3 a.m. I was cleaning the floors and locking the beer coolers when suddenly the lights went out. I pulled out my cell and used it as a guiding light until I made it back to our counter where I kicked on the gas generator. It lit the parking lot, the bath, and the hall leading to the register. When I looked outside, I could just make out the movement of the trees across the street, but, otherwise, it was pitch black. I turned on the radio and started listening to a local station with its night owl DJ, commenting on the heavy winds and cracking jokes between songs. Suddenly I saw some figures in the dark. I could just make them out. They seemed to be a group of kids on bikes. There were three of them. Two of them dropped their bikes and made their way to the door where they just stood there staring at me. I just stared back for a moment, waiting for them to come in. They never did. I moved around the counter and opened the door. What's up, guys? Out kinda late aren't you? I asked them, expecting them to come in. Can we use your phone? One asked, their heads tilted kinda low. I felt a little worried as I pulled my cell from my pocket and offered it to her. Sure. She looked at me and then I saw her eyes, they were solid black, almost like ink-filled orbs. No, I need the real one. She said, her face twisted into an angry snarl. I pulled the door closed and flipped the locks. No. No ma'am, you go home and get your mom's phone. They stared at me through the door for a minute longer before turning away and biking off. The next day I had my boss check the cameras to get the pictures of the creepy kids but the cameras had been off the whole time. Now the cameras run off the generator instead of the hall lights. I never saw the kids again. Three roommates and I went over to a friend's apartment not far from campus, but on a set of apartments in the middle of nowhere. We were just sitting in the living room watching TV and I got up to go put a glass in the sink. Know how there is usually a window over the sink in most kitchens? So I'm washing this glass out, the light is on. There are no blinds on the window just a curtain. I hear a sound at the window and I look up just in time to see a hand hit the glass flat. I was like 20 years old but I know I must have squealed or did some kind of girly scream and the other three dudes came running in. I told them someone hit the glass. My buddy grabs his hunting rifle and we run outside. By this time 60 seconds have probably already passed. We get outside and all we see, is a bucket laying sideways under the window, along with the screen. There was a visible hand print on the window. Breakdown. Someone got a bucket to stand on, took the screen off the window and was trying to open it, when the bucket must have flipped from under them. Outside looking in, you could see through the kitchen and into the living room where we were sitting. This person would have easily seen me standing there, literally three feet from them on the other side of the window. There were four college-age guys inside and this person was still trying to break in.
One day in 2003 I was walking down a bike path in the back of my house with my stepdaughter when I saw two boys leaning against their bikes up ahead. I didn't really think much about it, since it is a bike path, until one of the kids raised his head up and looked me straight in the eye. That's when fear struck me so hard I was stopped dead in my tracks. His eyes were black and hollow like he didn't have a soul. It was like looking at pure evil. At least that's the way I described it when I recounted the incident later that evening to my husband and my other daughter. I immediately led my stepdaughter off the path, cut through someone's yard, and walked out to the street. I didn't know what I had encountered at the time but now I am quite sure it was the black-eyed children. I don't know what they are, but I know they are dangerous. It was so weird I thought that my stepdaughter would also be aware of what I perceived to be impending danger but she was completely oblivious, even when I led her off the path and onto the street. I somehow knew I had to get out of there now. Surprisingly they appeared normal in every other aspect, except for the eyes of course, and a vague awareness that they didn't quite fit into the environment. I only saw the eyes of one of them because the other kid had his back on me. He looked to be around 13 or 14, flannel shirt and jeans, and a swarthy complexion. Now that I have been reading about these encounters it piques my curiosity but I wouldn't want to run into them again. Last year I was on an outward bound trip in the Rockies on a 14-day expedition. In case you guys aren't hip to the outward bound course, there is a solo about three quarters the way through the trip, which is pretty much you're in your own area out of eyeshot and hearing range of other group members for a set amount of time, this expedition had a two-day one, so on day 11 or so we stop, to do ours. Mind you this is a nine-day hike from the closest base camp, and we went about a mile off the rugged trail we were taking to set up. I woke up on the second day of the solo and looked out of my tarp and saw a guy about 20 feet away in a solid cherry red hoodie with the hood draw strings fully pulled, so his face was entirely covered, I figured this was one of the instructors, because they go around sometime on the second day to check on us, so I waved at him and smiled. He then took off uphill and I lost sight in the trees. Come the next day when we are all back and talking about it, I asked which of the instructors had the red hoodie. Turns out neither of them did. There was a man 10,000 feet up a mountain in the middle of the woods who walked by me sleeping in a tent. It had potential to go pretty awry. A military man, John, went outside to have a smoke. He lives in the hills surrounding Deadwood, South Dakota. He spotted two kids walking up a hill. They stopped and looked at John, which spooked him. They were wearing hoodies and looked very strange. Their eyes were completely black. They started to come across the street walking directly towards John, who introduced himself to them. They continued to advance towards him. Frightened, he retreated into the house. Inside, he asked his wife if she heard him talking to the kids. She never heard anything. They soon went to bed. John then noticed one of the boys outside his window. He rushed to bolt the front door, as one of them was there too. He never made it to the door. For whatever reason, he turned around and went back to the bedroom, where he saw the boy standing outside his window. He went to grab his pistol. 
He wanted to scare them off. He assumed they were wearing masks. One was at the window and another was at the door. He was extremely scared now. The next thing he remembered was waking up in bed. His wife informed him that he had been gone for an hour and a half. I did hear the door open and close. You weren't there, she told him. John had left the house at 4 a.m. and didn't return home until 5.30 a.m. I spent three months in northwestern Utah in 1999 doing graduate field work. I was alone for almost all of it. I read Lord of the Rings, played guitar, laid in the dirt staring up at the stars. Very fun. Anyhow, one night as I was sleeping, I heard a strange noise, see edit below, around 3 a.m. that jolted me awake instantly. I was in a tent and about 30 feet away from me, I heard a grunt that lasted about 4 seconds. Maybe it was a throat clearing? It was an animal noise. Most alarmingly though, it had a definitely aggressive tone to it. It sounded like a challenge. There were no bears in the area, but mountain lions were possible, although quite rare. I didn't hear any of the insane mating calls for the three months. I sat bolt upright and grabbed my flashlight. I had no weapons with me other than a small knife and that was somewhere with the cook gear. I waited, quiet as a mouse for about 30 seconds listening for any noise. It was dead quiet. I could have heard anything. But, not a single sound. As quietly as I could, but it sounded like when you're opening a bag of chips when you're trying not to make a sound, I positioned myself at the tent zipper then suddenly yanked it open and shined the flashlight. Nothing. Then I bolted for the truck about 50 yards away. I made it and looked around with the flashlight. Nothing. It was out there watching me, unless it ran away when I ran to the truck. I had the window cracked a bit and watched and listened for about an hour. Nothing. I laid down in the back and tried to sleep but it was quite chilly and I was wearing only a pair of underwear and my huge scratchy wool sweater that was luckily in the back seat. The next morning, I looked for tracks but saw nothing. And for the next six or so weeks I slept in the back of the truck. My younger brother was in his room carrying out a conversation which was weird because we were alone at home. I went to see who he was talking to. There was no one there, so I asked him who he was talking to. He said the little girl with the black eyes. I asked where she was and he said that she had left. I thought he just lying. About a week later we started hearing voices and footsteps. I would be sleeping with my blankets covering me and I would wake up with them folded at the bottom of my bed. My sister got scared one night and crawled into bed with me. As she was getting into my bed I woke up, so I turned on my TV. I also turned on my light to find the remote. I left the light on along with the TV right when we were both drifting off to sleep, my door slammed shut which is almost impossible as I always have a basket full of books in front of the door so that it doesn't close. The light then shut off, and my TV picture went off with static noise. I got up and went to the door. I tried to open it but it was like someone was holding the door handle from the outside. My sister and I started to scream when my mom came and opened the door. As she did the light turned back on and the TV picture came back. We had a priest bless the house, 
but the activity continues. The house was built in 2003 and no one has died there. We need help. It was the beginning of archery hunting season for elk, four years ago in August. My friend Richard and I, accompanied by our buddy John, embarked on an adventure to Black Bear Swamp. Little did we know that this outing would unveil a sight that would haunt our memories for years to come. As the sun began its descent, casting a golden glow upon the landscape, we found ourselves near a road at around 7 p.m. It was then that our eyes caught something peculiar. A creature stood perched upon a hill, its figure shrouded in shadows. Its hue appeared to be a murky brown, blending seamlessly with the surroundings. The sheer magnitude of this being left us in awe, a towering presence that seemed to reach heights of approximately 12 feet. The image of that encounter still lingers vividly in my mind as I recall the conversation I had with Richard over the phone on August 18th. He described the creature, the words tumbling out in a mix of fascination and trepidation. The mere thought of it sent a shiver down my spine, a reminder of the enigmatic encounter we had experienced together. To this day, the details remain etched in our memories, serving as a constant reminder of the mysteries that lie within the depths of the world we inhabit. The shadowy figure, the towering height, and the haunting presence of that creature on the hill continue to fuel our curiosity, leaving us yearning for answers that may forever elude us. Four years have passed since that fateful day, and yet the impact of that sighting has not diminished. It serves as a testament to the hidden wonders that exist in the realms beyond our comprehension. Our encounter with the mysterious creature at Black Bear Swamp is a chapter of our lives that will forever intrigue and haunt us, a fragment of the unknown that forever remains embedded in our shared experiences. Marie in Minneapolis made two separate phone calls, first to Coast to Coast and then to Darkness Radio looking for answers regarding something that happened to her the night after Halloween, 2014, while doing her paper route. The event clearly disturbed her and she couldn't explain it nor could any of the hosts or guests of the various radio shows. This happened the night after Halloween. I deliver newspapers at night and I was delivering newspapers that night and it was business as usual. I rounded this curve and I saw a group of kids in the middle of the road. There were about six of them and they were all wearing grey robes with hoods. They didn't have the hoods on, they were down their backs. I thought that was kind of strange because Halloween had ended about 10 hours before that. One of them saw me and started walking very quickly towards my car saying something. She got very close to my car and I could see that she was about 15 years old and my first thought was. Why was she out there? That's pretty young to be out there at that time of night, it was about 4.30 in the morning. I didn't have time to talk to her so I drove around her but then there were the other five kids in the middle of the road and then they saw me and they fanned out to surround my car so I couldn't move and that scared me. I drove up on the lawn to get around them but they were coming pretty quickly at my car and I almost hit one of them and then I thought, I'm gonna call the police because this is quite odd. Then I thought, I better follow them so I could tell the police what they're doing. I saw them turn down this street and I turned to follow them and it took about 10 seconds to get to this street and they were gone. 
They had disappeared and there's no way they could have gone to even the first house. Let's start off with my granddaughter, Anna, who is a toddler with sensitive abilities. I understand if it seems unbelievable, but it is basically being more tuned to unnatural occurrences. I am also sensitive. I began not wanting to be in her room from about one month of age. This has severely escalated, she has been waking up anywhere from 2-3 am each night, screaming as if she is terrified and will not go back to sleep until 8-9 am. Her parents cannot put her back in her room, she is so terrified. They take her to the main level and attempt to get her back to sleep. When I was watching her about a month ago, I was changing her diaper in her room. She kept looking at the closet door, terrified, and was pointing and trying to tell me something. This has continued. I started to wonder if the old woman who died in this condo may still be around. A little background on her, she was the only woman who died in that home and had a gay son, so she had no grandchildren. I dealt with this myself as a toddler, I had a woman who came out of the closet and stood by my crib, and I know I wasn't the only one to have seen her. I am not sensing anything abnormal or paranormal. I decided to invite the old woman to move on, if it was her. I reassured her that the home and its members in it were taking good care of the home and the adults and the baby. I did this three weeks ago after Babia showed up with superficial scratches. They were on the inside of her arm and looked like a bird's foot. There was a point with three lines fanning from it. I questioned my daughter and she did not know how she got it. She later had the same scratch marks on the side of her neck. I only slept through the first three nights after I invited the old lady to move on. Well, let me say all hell has broke loose since I invited the old lady to move on. I had a horrible nightmare that involved someone from beneath the earth's surface grabbing my lower legs and attempting to pull me under the surface. I woke up terrified. My husband asked me how I got the horrible bruises on my lower legs. I looked behind my legs, it looked like someone grabbed them. There were finger bruising and other bruises. It weirded me out. I appeared with some odd scratches inside my arms. Then my daughter, then Anna with a perfectly straight superficial scratch between her eyebrows. As if that weren't bad enough, my other daughter, the youngest, now has started getting bruises. She and I live in the same house, and my other daughter with Anna lives across town. This last weekend my daughter showed up with the same bruising on her lower legs. I again asked the old lady to move on. Maybe not my best move. They started having issues with their hot water heater not working. After a plumber and electrician did some digging, they discovered the breaker was flipped not only inside but also outside at the box for the whole condo complex. Nobody in that condo unit touched it, and nobody can just walk into my daughter's complex. They had the electric company out three times within 12 hours. Well, my daughter took on replacing the upper and lower heating elements with no results. The plumber came out yesterday and thought it was the upper and lower thermostat. He replaced them and still nothing, he thought it was the breakers. The electrician came out and discovered it was not the breakers, but frayed and arching wires that were no longer grounded. He could see there were charred marks on top of the hot water heater. The location of this is under the stairs to the second level. 
the only interior second floor escape. I discovered there was only one smoke detector on the upper level, located in the hall. The HW heater is under the doorway of Anna's room, basically at the landing at the top of the stairs. Her parents would not have been able to reach her safely. The electrician and we are questioning how the electrical wires could have become burned. I now am worried that we are not dealing with the old lady, but maybe something else. We are now having stuff happening at both homes. Hi. My name is Arthur, and I'm a Californian. I used to work as a ranger at Sequoia National Park from 1994 to 1997. Before I start, I just want to say that I'm crying as I write this because the memories are extremely traumatic. It happened in 1997 in my last year working as a ranger. It was also this event that got me fired. I was patrolling an area that was not very frequented by visitors because of the density of the bushes and because it was an easy area to get lost. I had received a report of loud sounds coming from there, sounds that were scaring the visitors, making them think there was a bear on the loose or something. It was noon and I was driving around the area with a jeep and a tranquilizer rifle just in case something was really there. I spent 1 hour driving around and I stopped the jeep, exited it, and was standing by the open door. I was about to pick up my walkie-talkie and report the situation to one of the other rangers that were patrolling the other side when I heard something on my left, a loud growl. I looked and there was a big reddish-brown thing with wide shoulders, long arms, and huge human hands looking at me. This part really breaks me every time I remember it because I got paralyzed in fear at the moment because this thing was bigger than any grizzly bear. and was glaring at me with a face that i can only describe as a hungry predator i felt like an ambushed prey i stood there and this thing charged at me with full force and i entered the jeep almost instantly the creature crashed into the jeep breaking the door's window and the thing grunted in pain i turned the jeep on and accelerated beyond the speed limit of the park i looked behind for a second and this monster was running after the jeep on all fours just like a chimp I panicked even more and I increased the speed and some curves later I finally lost him. I arrived at the ranger station and there was nobody there. I remember being so panicked that I locked myself inside a bathroom and I'm certain that I fainted because I remember that everything went black. When I woke up, it was 9 p.m. and the other rangers were looking for me. My boss confronted me about the jeep having one of the sides damaged with the broken window and when I told him that a big animal attacked me, He got angry at me called me a liar who sleeps on the job and accused me of crashing the jeep on a tree and making stories up to not to get in trouble and fired me. I did years and years of therapy and it didn't work. The memories still haunt me and I still have nightmares and sudden panic attacks. I know the thing that tried to snatch me was a Bigfoot and not a bear. Bears don't have human faces, human hands, and wide shoulders. and they don't have freakishly long limbs i lived with these memories for more than 20 years and this is my first time telling this story ever since thank you for reading this russler peak towering at 6205 feet held secrets that were waiting to be unraveled it was in this realm specifically in section 10 
that we stumbled upon a phenomenon that defied explanation, twisted trees. Their contorted forms stood as silent witnesses to an unseen force that permeated the area, leaving us in awe of the mysteries that lay hidden within. But it was our most recent expedition that etched itself deep within our memories. We embarked on a thrilling mountain biking adventure, venturing north of Russler Peak. The wind whispered through the trees, carrying with it an air of anticipation. Little did we know that the true essence of the unknown was lurking just around the corner. As we pedaled forward, a wave of putrid odor assaulted our senses, overpowering even the freshness of the mountain air. It was a stench unlike anything we had encountered before, a repugnant aroma that twisted our faces in disgust. The smell permeated the very essence of the landscape, seeping into our souls and leaving an indelible mark. Curiosity mingled with apprehension as we explored further, following the trail of this peculiar scent. It was not the smell of decay or death, but rather something altogether inexplicable. The intensity grew with each passing moment, casting a shadow of unease over our adventurous spirits. The landscape shifted before our eyes, the atmosphere thick with an otherworldly presence. We were no longer just mountain bikers traversing the terrain, we had become explorers of the unknown, unraveling the enigma that surrounded us. The scent guided our path, leading us deeper into the heart of mystery. With every pedal stroke, our hearts raced, a mixture of exhilaration and trepidation coursing through our veins. The unseen force that had twisted the trees seemed to manifest itself in this inexplicable odor, pulling us further into its enigmatic embrace. We were on the cusp of something extraordinary, standing at the precipice of understanding. But alas, the answers eluded us. The source of the odor remained concealed, teasing us with its presence yet refusing to reveal itself fully. We were left with a sense of awe and wonder, our minds buzzing with questions that would remain unanswered. Four years may have passed since that encounter, but the memories are as vivid as if they had happened yesterday. Rustler Peak, with its twisted trees and unexplained odors, continues to beckon to us, a reminder that the world we inhabit is teeming with mysteries waiting to be discovered. As I reminisce about those moments, a spark of curiosity ignites within me, urging me to seek out new adventures, to delve deeper into the realms of the unknown. Rustler Peak has imprinted itself upon my soul, forever reminding me that there is more to this world than meets the eye, a tapestry of wonder and perplexity that begs to be explored. The thing that gets me sometimes is the sounds. Sometimes you'll just hear some animal and it sounds like nothing you've ever heard before and you can't imagine it being anything like any animal you've ever even heard of. That combined with pitch blackness of the woods can creep you the F out. Worst one was a couple months ago sitting under a tarp because it was raining a bit, small fire going a bit away with no other light. Heard a sound with a rhythm you would expect from a bird but with a deeper sound than any bird ever. Sound continues to repeat every couple seconds and slowly gets louder like it's getting closer. Then stops. Never heard it again, but those couple minutes until I convinced myself it was gone I was creeped the F out no doubt. I'm really late to the thread, 
but one of the dads in my scout troop spent some time doing photography for National Geographic. He would hike out to remote places alone and take photos for a few days. Well one time he was developing his photography and he saw a bunch of photos of him sleeping. He said he quit shortly after that. Growing up on a farm, I was well acquainted with the strict nature of my father. He was a man of unwavering principles, and one rule he held steadfastly was to keep me away from the nearby forest. As a curious child, I often found myself yearning to explore the mysterious depths of those towering trees, but my father's warning echoed in my mind, like an unyielding command. The reason behind his strictness was a story that haunted our farm, a story whispered among the locals. Bigfoot, an elusive creature, had been making appearances near our land, causing distress and wreaking havoc. Animals, it was said, had fallen victim to its voracious appetite. But my father, in his usual stern manner, provided no further details. He spoke of the incidents in vague terms, leaving the specifics of the stolen animals shrouded in uncertainty. It had been a year and a half since those mysterious encounters began, casting a shadow of fear and apprehension over our lives. The mere mention of Bigfoot sent shivers down my spine, and my father's protectiveness intensified as he sought to shield me from the perceived danger lurking in the forest depths. Yet, as I grew older, my curiosity mingled with a longing to unravel the truth behind the tales that swirled around us. The forest beckoned to me, its ancient trees whispering secrets that begged to be discovered. Despite my father's stern warnings, I couldn't suppress the desire to challenge his restrictions and venture closer to the forbidden realm. One fateful day, driven by a mix of fear and fascination, I made my way toward the edge of the forest. The air was heavy with anticipation, a palpable sense of the unknown that enveloped me. With each step, I felt my heart pounding in my chest, a symphony of excitement and trepidation echoing in my ears. As I neared the forest's boundary, a strange sensation washed over me, a mingling of awe and reverence. The canopy of trees above seemed to create a sanctuary of mystery, shielding the secrets within from prying eyes. It was within this ethereal space that Bigfoot had allegedly roamed, leaving a trail of uncertainty in its wake. Silently, I pressed on, my senses attuned to every rustle and whisper in the undergrowth. The forest seemed to hold its breath, as if aware of my intrusion. The stolen animals lingered in my thoughts, their fate and the purpose behind their abduction a riddle yet to be solved. In the depths of the forest, time seemed to blur, the boundaries between reality and myth blending into one. My eyes darted from shadow to shadow, searching for any signs of Bigfoot's presence. Each snap of a twig sent my heart racing, my imagination conjuring images of the elusive creature lurking just out of sight. But as I ventured deeper into the forest's embrace, a realization began to take hold. The stories that had haunted our farm were nothing more than fragments of folklore, woven into the fabric of our collective consciousness. The stolen animals, the fear that gripped us, all seemed to lose their hold on my mind. In that moment, standing amidst the tranquil beauty of nature, I understood the significance of my father's strictness. It was not solely driven by the fear of a mythical creature, but rather a father's love, 
an earnest attempt to shield his daughter from the dangers that lurked beyond our known world.